What's up, guys? Yeah. I'm I'm with uh, Tristan Larzen. Is that how we say it? Yep. Good. And uh, we're just recording a little podcast here. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to interfere and, in, uh, uh, you know, in your reflection, I want to let you speak out loud and speak your thoughts. And I just want to ask a couple of questions here and there uh, in such a, in a interview way a little bit. So, uh, yeah. For, for sure. You can um, go ahead and ask whatever you want and then we can, we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So, okay. What about billionaires? In general. What about them? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just want you to think. And like if I wasn't there, basically, you know, but I will direct your attention towards different words from time to time. Yeah, I mean, the difference is like that's in my head. This is out loud. And that's definitely like a different different train of thought. But I mean, what I'll, what I'll say is I definitely think a lot about uh, billionaires and what it actually takes to create a, uh, a billion dollar company. I mean, it's a lot of uh, what I think about because that's what I want to achieve. And I mean, I definitely go back and forth and I, I, you know, think about like, what are the different, um, different ways in order to build that, uh, that type of company or become a billionaire. Now, the thing is like most people who are billionaires are billionaires because they, they have many different streams of income or def- lots of different investments. And that's how they became billionaires. That's how most of them became billionaires. That's like single digit billionaires who are worth like one, two, you know, two or three, most of them single digit billionaires that are worth just like 1 billion. It's because they have, you know, a massive real estate portfolio or, they just invested in many different co- companies across many different industries. That's how most of them that got that way. Now, obviously the richest people in the world, they got that way in many cases because they had one massive company, that massive company that's doing, you know, hundreds of billions of, well, not necessarily in revenue, but um, they're worth hundreds of billions or closer to trillion trillions. If we're talking about like Apple or you know, Amazon or, or something like that. So I mean, definitely think a lot about that and like what it, what would it actually take to actually do that? Um, and specifically what I think a lot about is, um, like the idea of having many different smaller companies and then making billions of dollars because of investments is just, is not really that interesting to me personally. It's not really something that I find to be meaningful necessarily, Whereas creating a big company that makes a massive impact on the world because you have a new technology or something like that feels a lot more meaningful to me. So that is what I spend a lot of my time thinking about specifically. Now, what do I think about when it comes to that? Well, one thing I'm doing right now with this tool called Obsidian, which is like a planning tool, is I'm like uh, I'm mapping out what are the different factors of becoming a $100 billion company. It's basically a thought experiment. And it's partially inspired by uh, Charlie Munger, who um, in his book, Poor Poor Charlie's Almanac, he does a thought experiment. He says, what would it take to build a, you know, I don't know, maybe he says a trillion dollar company. Maybe that's the example he gives. 
I think he says trillion dollars. Yeah. And he uses the example of Coke. And then he breaks down, like, why are all the reasons why Coke became, you know, worth what it is? And he says, okay, like, you need something that, um, you know, gets people uh, something that people love and gets them, like, psychologically addicted. You know, basically, that's, like, one thing. Another factor is, like, okay, well, it needs to, you need to have marketing that appeals to a primal human need. And he gives, like, an example of how, um, I forget his name, Pavlov uh, had his dogs, and he did an experiment where, you know, he'd ring the bell, and every time he'd ring the bell, dogs would get food, and they would salivate. And he talks about how, like, you know, they get, they get this reward, and every time they get this reward – they uh they salivate they feel good so he talks about how if you're going to build a billion dollar company it needs to appeal to like the basic psychological need of the person and then you need to have um amazing distribution and uh you need to scale really rapidly so you have economies of scale and competitors cannot compete with you because you have you're at such a high scale you're at such a high level that it makes it extremely hard for the competition to compete with you because you have whatever manufacturing plants that are pumping out a hundred billion bottles of something every day, thus are able to get things to such a low cost that no one can compete with you because of the scale that you're at and your insane distribution. So that's the example he gives. And my thought experiment was kind of expired, inspired by that. And uh, I broke down what would actually take to build a hundred billion dollar company. Cause obviously if you want to become a billionaire, building a hundred billion dollar company is one almost impossible way to do it. And, um, you know, it breaks down to uh, a couple of different things, like, or a lot of different things. So obviously one thing is timing. It's like that. What, what is the timing of what you're doing? What is, what is the, how is the thing currently growing? So what analogy, let's go into the AI direction. What about AI? For sure. I mean, I can I can definitely talk about what, like what specifically about AI. I mean, you decide where to go around that. But you were talking about, you know, timing. And I think AI would be a good timing in, let's say, 20 years. You know, if you start now in AI, 20 years. Yeah, uh, well... I will circle to AI once I go through the same train of thought I was just down. Um, because, I mean, AI is definitely something I think about. So let's just say in if you're trying to make a decision on what vehicle you should choose, AI maybe being one of those vehicles for, you know, getting to $100 billion, you would say like, okay, well, how – Like, what direction are we going in? And then how rapidly is this thing growing? Because the timing is really important. You can either start too soon or you can start too late. And it's it's a very, like, I mean, some people are masters of this. Like, very rare, very rare is there someone who's a master at specifically predicting what is the best timing to go ahead and start doing something? But even with AI, let's just talk about if you were to start an AI company in the eighties, you know, like it would take, I don't know, 
25 years for it to actually be something that, you know, maybe you could do something with or was early enough to be successful. But I mean, if we're talking about starting an AI company now, like it, it, it depends because an AI company all relies on, on data. And if you start an AI company now and continue to collect data with our current neural nets and our current ways of our current algorithms, if you continue to do that, you're not necessarily going to be the person who's on the cutting edge. Because if you're starting an AI company right now and you're collecting data, you might have the best trained AI in the current ways of doing things. But where the breakthroughs in AIs are going to AI is going to come from is it's going to come from it's going to come from really like research and innovation in how we're actually modeling uh model trying to model the human brain so, so it's almost like so what about other vehicles have you thought about any other vehicles you want to use instead of ai i've yeah i've thought about a lot of vehicles so <laughs> yeah I, i thought about a lot of them um i mean one uh yeah i mean there's lots of things i'm interested in but the what the main thing is like uh like biotechnology and like uh, nanotechnology yep. so n biotechnology and nanotech is is going to help us learn more about the human brain because artificial intelligence means intelligence and not a biological being not a in a machine right the opposite of that is by is you know uh, uh it's, you you it's about like understanding nature and, and trying to do what nature does so well with our technology is that what you're talking about no i'm talking about augmenting augmenting biological intelligence so increasing the intelligence of human beings for example like basically merging humans with machines where you're downloading information into human brains just like software from a machine so you know elon musk has a company called norlink and norlink is a biotechnology company and the mission is to be able to download information into the brain just like your software does on a computer so biotech is an area because of uh nanotechnology and nanotechnology uses quantum physics and quantum physics is the study of things that are as small as like atoms or you know even smaller than atoms in some cases so nanotechnology is how do we build things at the scale of a i think it's a, a nanometer or whatever it is it's a hundred i don't i don't i don't know the exact like uh measurement for what a nanometer actually is but what nanotechnology is building things to the like atomic level and when you build things to the atomic level the reason why that's that that's literally going to revolutionize everything is because if you have something that small you can put it into the brain you can put it into the bloodstream you can do so many things with that you can create uh you, you can create like uh white blood cells that aren't actually white blood cells they're 
little nanobots, tiny little nanobots that you put in someone's body, help them fight disease the same way a white blood cell would, but even better. There's so many things you can do with that. And that is going to be a core component of us learning more about the brain. And as we learn more about the brain, we can then create more and better uh, uh, AI algorithms. So we can then ultimately go to uh, having like strong AI. But it almost appears that those two are like in parallel. The more we understand about, about the brain, the more we'll be able to create AI algorithms that are uh you know able to do things that are that are significant so so what about neuroscience well that's i mean that's part of like nano technology that's going to allow neuroscientists to go ahead and learn more about the brain because there's a hundred billion neurons in the brain or you know whatever whatever it is and um in order for us to go ahead and like determine what these little clusters of neurons are doing specifically, we need to go ahead and be able to get to that, uh, that level of scale. We need to be able to get that small. So one thing is one thing that people are doing to advance neuroscience is creating nanobots that are able to scan, uh, sectors of, of neurons and, uh, determine patterns. And then use machine learning uh, and, you know, the AI that we have to collect the data about what different sections of the brain are doing. And then ultimately allow a, a machine learning to basically discover, you know, by collecting that data, what, uh, what uh, different sections of the brain are, are doing. So it's basically like taking nanotechnology, combining that with machine learning and AI to ultimately allow us to discover the brain. And that's, that's one way of, of, uh, like one advancement in, in neuroscience that, uh, I know Elon Musk specifically in Neuralink are, are trying to do currently. So physics, the, the more we try to understand about our universe and where we come from, whatever, um, we're, at a certain point where I think we're spending our time there, but not really like, in my opinion, we should put more time into this, the brain, instead of trying to see galaxies, blah, 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 because this doesn't really, this helps us zoom out instead of zooming in, like you said. Um, and comes to my mind to think about what is good and what is bad in your opinion um, would you be willing to do bad things that would be perceived as uh, I mean good things that would be perceived as bad things for other people and if so what would you do in in what context in the context of like of helping achieving what you just said yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely lots of risks involved in all of this. We don't know like what a human with well, what a human that's a thousand times more intelligent would be like. But at the same time, you could also argue that this phone makes me a thousand times more intelligent than without the phone. You can make that argument. So the question is like, 
is really is really like what is the actual like like how does the intelligence actually change and and at the end of the day bad people are bad people and good people are good people and when you give people more resources or you give people more intelligence all it does is just augment and amplify what's already there so you could say like let's just say everyone on earth was a thousand times more intelligent what does that actually even mean does that mean that they have a thousand times higher IQ, which seems like very unlikely that that's even a possibility, but we don't know what even is, is possible. Let's just talk about like the example of using a, let's just talk about the example of downloading information into the brain. What that basically is doing is that's allowing you to learn or know, you know, let's just say a thousand times more. If you knew a thousand times more than you know right now, that wouldn't make you any, I mean, that wouldn't give you like a superpower or something, right? That's not what that would do. What that would do is that would just make you a thousand times more knowledgeable. And what does that actually lead to? Well, I mean, that that's a, that's a good question, but at, at the end of the day, I think like, I don't, we don't know enough about like how you can make someone's IQ or intelligence higher to where um, they would become more dangerous than they currently are, I guess is, is my point. Like if you're an evil person and you know a thousand times more than you currently know, are you going to become less evil because now you're more enlightened? Let's see. That's a question. Like you can speculate about it all day long, but you'll really only know in practice. So as far as like what is perceived to be bad versus like what is perceived to be good, it depends who you ask. Like some people will say, well, like augment, like changing human intelligence is bad. We're going down a slippery slope. We shouldn't do that. And like, you can say that. And the question is like, it's bad in what way? Like, what is bad about that? Like, this is making us more intelligent. Is this bad? Well, I can use this in bad ways, right? Um, so you can look at it from many different angles. At the end of the day, like, you just need to do the right thing. So you need to say like, okay, well, if we are you know, using this brain machine interface, we're putting it into the brain. There needs to be the right uh, security measures there. We just need to do the right stuff. We need to do the, do the right stuff. That's in the best interest of the person who's doing it. We need to make sure that like we're, we're doing everything the, the moral way, you know, and, and, and that's really it. But at the end of the day, like we're going to keep pro- progressing as a civilization one way or another, it, the question is who is going to advance it, right? And when is it going to advance? And whose grandchildren are going to live in that society? Is it going to be your grandchildren or is it going to be the next generation of grandchildren? You know, that's really what it breaks down to. It's going to happen pretty much one way or another. There's enough people who will, who are ambitious enough and try to work on those problems. You either like adapt to the way the world is changing or you try and fight the way the world is changing but one way or another, it's going it's to happen. And like fighting it is 
is not really the best use of your your mental energy and resources so yeah um what about um going to mars or staying on the earth and trying to make this place a better uh, this 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 earth a better place and and related to that the amount of people that are living on this planet what do we do with that yeah well i mean i'm not a yeah i i mean i know like well first of all i'm not a engineer or i'm not a uh i don't i don't know what the i don't know if there's a type of scientist who studies population or, or something but um my opinion based off of what i have learned from uh from other people and just what i what i've studied in general is that uh there's actually going to be the opposite of an overpopulation crisis like jack ma and elon musk says that there's going to be the opposite problem there's actually going to be an underpopulation crisis like we're not going to have enough people because old people are going to continue to live longer as we keep advancing uh our technology and advancing and, and learning more about the body and learning more about health and we get healthier as a civilization so we have an aging population and the youth is actually not giving birth the way they used to give birth right so we're we're currently not like gen z or millennials are not giving birth the way their parents did so i don't really necessarily think that uh that's specifically uh, a problem of of overpopulation something like that i don't i don't think that's that's a that's a problem um as far as like what we can do to actually improve the earth and just plant the planet in general i i mean i believe that um augmenting intelligence is one of the ways to go about doing that because the th the theory is like how many people have an idea of something they want to achieve to make the world a better place but they just lack the know-how or the execution or the confidence in order to be able to do that right so if you have something like a brain machine interface where you're able to enable people to achieve the things that they want to achieve give them the resources the knowledge um in an easier way then we can enable more people to be able to to work on those uh those types of, of things um i mean i definitely believe that uh uh like the earth is i mean we're we there's definitely crisis on earth with certain like species and um the different uh changes in climate what i don't know is uh what percentage of that is the natural cycle of uh of earth and what percentage of that is how humans are impacting that because those are the two those are the two things like there's how much humans are doing to make an impact on it and then there's also like how the earth actually changes because there's been many periods throughout history throughout um millions of years where the earth has gone through an ice age or it's gone through a warming period and that's a natural part of what earth does Now, do I believe that humans are playing a factor? I mean, I've as much as I've studied this, I couldn't sit here and tell you the science behind how that's happening. I think it's like greenhouse gases are getting caught in the uh, atmosphere and that's increasing the heat. And I, that's like 
the oversimplification of, of what's actually happening. Uh, do I think we should do something about it? I think we should do something about it. I think it just, the logical thing is to take action when trying to change it and, and do what we can to make things better. It makes sense to continue to make the world better, to continue to use less plastic, to continue to fish less, less in the oceans, to uh, have sustainable agriculture and have uh, grass-fed meats. I don't think we should completely get rid of cows completely. I don't think anyone's necessarily making that argument that we should get rid of it completely, but I think we should uh, have more grass-fed and healthier food. We should have vertical farming so that we have less um, farmland that's being used, uh, and instead we have vertical farms that are you know, giving us vegetables and things like that, giving us the things that we can grow vertically, just like a skyscraper. You know, you can hold so many people in a uh, short population, uh, or I'm sorry, in a short uh, radius because we have a skyscraper makes the same thing to do with uh, makes the sense to do the same thing with farming which is what we're already doing i think that's a that's a great thing um so i think we're going in the right direction in a lot of ways when it comes to that as far as going to other planets and mars i think that is so incredibly difficult and there's so many obstacles that i think the foundation i think like the infrastructure we need to be able to do that is the getting AI, a strong AI that we can control, getting human level intelligence to a even higher level, work on those problems while we're kind of building the infrastructure, we're building reusable rockets, we're planning, we're thinking about it. And I think that the AI part and then the augmenting human intelligence part will enable us to ultimately achieve uh, colonizing other planets. Okay, and that brings me to um, our current global problem. Um, I think the, the biggest one is poverty. Maybe you have other opinions on that. And let's say sex trafficking. And um, what about global problems? What do you think? What do you think are the biggest problems and does that ultimately come back to what you just said about enhancing the intelligence of humans or the you know the artificial intelligence power that we control yeah for sure well first thing are you are you recording this uh this on zoom by the way no, I'm recording on my phone on Anchor to post this on. You know, I, I won't post it if you don't want me to post it. Um, no, no, you can. You can. Do you, I, I, do you mind starting to record this on Zoom? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, I might no repurpose. Recording in progress. Yeah, got it. All good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, to go ahead and um, to go ahead and answer that. I mean, as far as the actual like, um, first of all, we're getting richer as a species overall. Like there's a guy named Ray Kurzweil and he goes ahead and he does like a, um, he does a, like a map of how our income has changed over time relative to the currency of the time. So this is, this is uh, factoring in inflation and we're getting, everyone in the world is getting richer. That's, that's the trend in general. 
the poorest people today are wealthier than people 150 years ago that were considered to be, you know, I don't know, well off. Let's put it that way. Right. So even the poorest people today are still richer than they were 100 years ago. And the trend is we're going to continue to get wealthier. We're going to continue to go that way. I mean, if you just look at it like like we we have access to the Internet, we have unlimited resources in the palm of our hand. We have access to the computers. How could poverty not lessen? Right. How could it not? We, we absolutely have more resources and things are absolutely better today than they've ever been. And that's been the trend throughout the last 200, 300, 400 years. Things are absolutely getting better by all, by almost every single metric they're getting better by, by like, you, you name it, life expectancy, just in general, things are getting better. Now, is poverty still a problem? I mean, it, it definitely is. Um, and what do we do about that? Well, like you ask yourself, what is the cause of poverty in the first place? Like, where, what is the, like, what's the first principle? We go back to and say, like, okay, what is the cause of pro- poverty? It's a very complex problem, right? Uh, is it mental health? Is it um, someone goes through a very traumatic incident in their life and they say, like, I just don't feel like I can, yeah, I can, um, I can work. I can be a member of society. Is it like, what is it? There's so many different ways that, that it can happen. Now, what I don't believe can solve the issue is just giving people a bunch of money. I don't think that's what can happen. Do we need to allow people to live? Um, yes. Like we need to give them the resources they can live. Now, if I was to play devil's advocate, Let's just say we did not give people the resources to live and we just had them have to like go out and have to find what they need themselves, which would then force them to get a job. Would that work? I don't really know because I don't know uh, a society or I haven't done research on a society that has not had a safety net for people. Because if you have a safety net in your society, you're going to allow people to continue to do like to 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 uh, fall and become impoverished, and you're going to take care of them, so people don't feel so bad about falling. It's like being it's like being a uh, like a kid who starts a company who knows they can just go back to their mom's house if everything goes wrong, right? Uh, it's it, it's just I don't know if that's the best in incentive i'm sure there's a bet i'm sure there's a balance that makes more sense than the one right now that's that's what i'll say how do we actually solve that issue it's very complicated everyone has a different situation some of it has to do with mental health some of it has to do with lack of motivation i mean it's a it's a very complex issue so i mean that's really what i have to say about that in the, the united states now as far as in other countries let's just say like Africa, that's a different story. They have a different set of problems. And the main set and the main problems specifically in Africa is corruption. Now you can say like Europeans and Americans, whatever, colonized uh, Africa and they took the resources in Africa 
and that damaged the Africans and it basically made so their development is further behind other nations, right? You could say that. At the same time, though, there's been many, many different civilizations that were previously colonized by European powers or by some other civilization that bounced back and are now doing fine. An example would be India, and they're colonized by Great Britain. And Great Britain was in control for whatever it was, 100 years or whatever, and then they, they came back. Another example is China. They had a similar situation with Great Britain, and they bounced back and see they're the second highest GDP in, in, in the world. And there's, there's other examples of when a, uh, another country was, uh, was a colonizer, and then that country bounced back. So people who look real deep into the issue, and this doesn't really require that much depth because it's kind of obvious, is what it really breaks down to is corruption. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of leaders who are just taking the resources and they're just using it for themselves instead of their people. And that's what a lot, that's what a lot is of that's going on in, uh, in Africa. So in order to solve the poverty in Africa, there's, there's lots of different advances. And I say Africa, but there's so many different countries and there are different stages of development um you know south africa is more and nigeria is more developed than you know the congo for example like there's differences in like every country i'm just i know that's an overgeneralization, but it is the least developed continent so i'm going to use that as the example here um the the ultimate thing that really needs to happen is less corruption and there needs to be more infrastructure built that empowers the people and one of, the, one of the things that's happening right now is people being able to get money via crypto and use crypto as a currency in some of these other countries so that they can, um, you know, they can, and also things like uh, microloans. There's some companies that are giving microloans to, uh, you know, just let's just say it's like a woman in, um, in Africa who wants to start a farm but doesn't have any farm animals. So you give her a microloan so she can go ahead and buy a a uh, couple goats so then she can make milk and cheese and then she can sell that and now she's she she was given that microloan and now she's gotten um some resources so she can go ahead and you know become less impoverished and there's some things like that going on and i think i mean we're going in the right direction and there's still so much more infrastructure that can be built in a lot of these other company uh, countries that's really what it is it's the infrastructure to be able to to do things um so that's the, the other thing is too um i was watching this video the other day that brought up a really good point and it said that in the most advanced one of the reasons why countries are not advancing is because if you're in the united states your gdp is mostly based off of services we have a service economy if you are, say, a country in an export economy, that means most of your money is generated from commodities, from coffee beans, from different you know, food, from your natural resources. And if you're exporting a lot of your natural resources and that's your main source of wealth in your country, then it makes it very challenging 
for you to go ahead and pivot to a service economy because most of your people are earning a living based off of being an export economy. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle where you're constantly going ahead and, um, and uh, you know, not really advancing because your people are relying on exports in order to survive and they don't really have uh, the free time nor do they have the resources to go ahead and be able to invest into something like a service. Where in the United States, where we have a service economy, what we do is we pay and almost like cripple these South American, African countries where we're taking, we're, we're uh, relying on them for certain goods. And the downside to that for that, that country is now they're reliant on that export and now they can't ad advance their service economy. So what do you do about that? It's a very hard problem to solve. Okay, so what about the future of education and um, the internet related to that? Education and internet and maybe I would also add um, workspaces, how to make them better and more, um, I don't like the word, but cool you know i want to go to work you know because yeah. i think it's mostly not the case i would say yeah yeah so i mean the education system right now is, is trash that's that's definitely for sure it's uh it's terrible um students are being put into crippling debt they don't even know what they want to do with their lives because no one ever helped them decide that so basically what they're doing is it, i mean it's a it's a it's a goddamn scam that's what it is it's like you 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 feed someone a ton of information they don't know how to make a decision on any of that information and that's what's happening is they continue to keep paying for something because they're uncertain and they just stay and keep paying and that's what it is and no one's actually like no one's actually really like sitting down with someone and customizing things to that person and determining and kind of helping them understand like okay what are your strengths okay what type of lifestyle do you want to live as a person like what do you envision your life to look like in in 10 years like because all of these things like what are you what are your interests like what comes naturally to you when you were four years old when you're five years old what did you think you wanted to do what did you want to, what did you think you wanted to do as a kid what do you think is possible for you one question i ask people sometimes i'm like if if everything was possible and you could snap your fingers and be someone, who would you be? And every single time, just about every single time, I mean, literally every single time I've asked someone this question, what they're doing now is different than what they would be doing if they snapped their fingers. They're not even on the trajectory to do that thing. Like I asked someone the other day and I was like, if you could snap your fingers and do anything, what would you do? She said, I would be a, I would be a CEO of a, uh, of a, um, uh, what is it called? Of like a makeup company. And I was like, okay, cool. And currently you are go going to nursing school. Okay. Well, like very different from being the CEO of a, 
of a uh, makeup brand. So like, no one real, no one's really coaching kids and helping them and giving them the direction or helping them figure out their own direction. Instead, they're just like, you know, throwing information at them and saying, okay, like, yep, you want this degree? This degree is completely irrelevant. There's nothing you can do with this, but okay, I'll still let you spend a hundred K on your gender studies degree so you can graduate unemployed in debt and working at Starbucks. And like, the thing is the people who are putting money behind these universities are mostly like corporations. And what, are, what, do, what do corporations want? They want a workforce. How do you get a workforce? You get people who don't really know exactly they, what they want to do. So with, what are they going to do? They're going to work for you. And that's the thing. There's so much vested interest in keeping colleges and the process that they have now, you know, the way it's been, the way it's going, that the change is not going to happen with the university specifically. The change is going to happen. In fact, it's already happening. Like we, we live in a democratization of information. Information is democratized. I can buy the same college textbook your professor is giving you on thriftbooks.com for 20% of what they would charge you at the university. And I can teach myself from the same damn textbook for the cost of the textbook, not the cost of the entire degree, even though you're teaching yourself out of that textbook. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense at all, right? Now, is there value to college? Like maybe from like a networking standpoint and like a giving you more free time to kind of like discover what you want standpoint. But a lot of the environments on these colleges are terrible. Like I had this girl I was dating and I was, uh, I was staying in her dorm and that was a terrible environment. Like it felt like I was in a prison, dude. I'd go to the bat. I go to the bathroom. And it was like shared bathrooms, like man and woman bathrooms. Like they're sharing it together. Like men are showering at the same time as women. And like, they're like prison lights. The hallways are like, like just, just like, uh, dude, it just felt terrible. It literally felt like a prison. That's the best way to describe it. Like, it, it felt like the same person who made a prison made this like there's very little consideration for how for like natural light and uh, art and colors and things that make you feel good about actually being in that environment. And then what happens is people become like depressed because they're stuck in this little fucking box with with a roommate. So what are they going to do? They're going to work on stuff that they feel like is meaningless and then they're going to eat. And they're not going to eat healthy stuff because what do you do when you feel down and depressed and like you don't have another purpose as you, you eat. And it's just, it's just terrible for so many reasons. And hello still there. I don't know if you can still hear me. What's up? Uh, I, I can't really hear you that much can't hear you at all okay okay there you go I, I can hear you now okay cool yeah not sure what happened there but all good so yeah um how can we make this the the education system or the education structure more personalized how can we personalize the education system yeah for sure i mean honestly the future of education is either it's either ai vr or ar 
That's 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 where things are going to go. Someone's going to figure it out, and then that's going to become the standard, and that's what everyone's going to do. Like, un- unequivocally, that's that's what's going to happen. So how do you personalize it more to the person? Oh, okay, I, mean, well, I, thought... I, I just want to say something. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, do you think it will be centralized or decentralized? It, or, or should it be decentralized or centralized? Yeah, that's a good question. It's going to continue to be both, for sure. I mean, me learning on my phone whatever I want, or me reading every day, is that's the that's a decentralized form of me learning. Will there be schools? There will be some centralization. There's going to be teachers, maybe in VR, teaching something in VR or AR, showing students how to do something. I can imagine an engineer uh, using an AR software and all the students are looking at the AR software and they're either in person or over the computer. There's probably going to be a both, a combination of both still. I think that's what's going to continue to happen. I don't think in person is going to go away completely. Can't see why that would make any sense because the in-person personalization and just being in person with other human beings is something humans are going to continue to desire unless we can just com- completely emulate that same thing in virtual reality, which is possible. But even still, like, why would people stop going in person? Maybe because they want to sit and get really fat. I don't know, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So uh, it's, it's going to be a combination of both. And it's going to be like AR or VR. It's going to be like an engineer showing students how to do something in, in AR, like, you know, creating a pipe. It, it, education could, could, get, uh, could get a lot better using AR and VR. Now, will that be customized to the individual in a, in a centralized way? I think it's possible, but at the same time, I think that colleges and corporations have so much invested into having things not be personalized that it's going to be the entrepreneur, not the institution that's going to go ahead and make the personalized version of this and what is that going to look like well version one can be what is this person's personality type what is this person's interest like a series like a simple application with a series of questions like uh just like like a personality test but on steroids you determine the person's personality type you determine what their strengths are you determine like all these things about the individual and then you uh, you recommend a specific learning process. You have a computer with a camera that has machine learning that is looking at how the individual is behaving, looking at the emotions of the individual from the camera using machine vision. And now what's happening is the program is learning and it's now able to recommend recommend and give um, feedback to that person to help them create an even better path an even uh, more customized path to uh, what's I, what the ideal future is for that person. I can just, I can imagine that going out and, and that happening. It would start with like an application series of questions. And this is something that we could do like within the next five years. So in fact, I just thought of this off the top of my head. Like I haven't actually thought about this exact thing, but uh, it's a pretty good idea. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's learning more about the individual. And then it's about uh, tailoring the content and making it gamified because it needs to be fun. Like people like to do things that are fun. You know, if you gamify the content to that person and it feels like a video game, a video game that's actually being tailored to that person, changing in real time to that person, that's that that's what I feel that's what's gonna happen in the next I don't know, fifteen fifteen years. Someone's gonna someone's gonna do exactly what I just said. And and that would be like version one. And then version two can be something in like virtual reality or augmented reality where it's no longer video content. It's now actually doing. Like you're now actually doing the things that are best aligned with getting you to your ultimate uh, end goal. And obviously you have to determine what that end goal is. And part of the entire process is helping someone continue to refine, refine what that end goal would be for that person. So what about transparency, cybersecurity, or just, you know, data privacy and, and all that? If like, if you want to, let's say do a personality uh, boosted test to see and suggest certain path of learning to individuals um where's the gray line or where's the black and white in we should know everything about everything all the time because like you said earlier there are good people and there are bad people and i think that the good people want that information for good purposes but at the same time this information will be available to the bad people too for sure and maybe that's that's where something like blockchain would uh would come into effect um because at the end of the day uh like here's here's what i believe in i believe in capitalism I don't believe in centralizing data in the government. That's what I believe in. I don't believe in data being centralized to any individual. If you have something on blockchain, it's it's decentralized and like if if a business is negatively affecting an individual, many individuals, eventually they will go out of business or people will stop buying their products. You can fire a business you can't fire the government right if a government has access to all this stuff and it's centralized in the government you can't there's nothing you can do about that unless you want to overthrow the government businesses you stop spending money they don't exist government you have to shoot some fucking people in order for it to end you have it it requires war so my my point is like blockchain something like blockchain where all the data is is not no you the the data exists but no single individual can necessarily see what's inside so for example like in this example i was just using we know like there the data exists but i can't see the data yet the machine learning algorithm is still tailoring the system to that individual I just would not be able to know the details of that. I would not be able to see that. No one would be able to see that 
The only person who would be able to see that is the individual, kind of like a uh, like a like a like a token, like a crypto token. Like you have your unique ID, you can see the data. You own the data. You as the individual, no one else owns that data. No one else can see that except for the individual. They're the owner of the data, and the AI can still tailor the content and keep learning in the best interest of that person, feed them that information, have it be decentralized. The company still has access to, in- access to the data. They just can't see what's inside the data, if that makes sense. That's, that's what I think needs to happen. That's the, dire- that's the direction we're going. Okay. And um, what about, you know, economy in general how do you think the economy should roll out um you know are you have you ever thought about the social credit thing and how you do you see any alternatives to you know social credit a social credit economy yeah what i will say is that's a terrible idea the actual like social credit score, it, here's the thing. This is a, I've, I've thought a lot about this and here's the problem with China's social credit score. Simple human mistakes that everyone, everyone is guilty of, they are now being punished for. It's affecting your ability to do things in your society. Like if I jaywalk across the street and a camera catches me, it's going to send a ticket to my phone and then it's going to decrease my, my score. Like we do not want a civilization where I can just look someone up on my phone and see like, Oh, this guy is an, a social credit score of 80. I don't want to be friends with him. Like that is, that, dude, that is a terrible way to run your society. You don't want the government to have access to every little nuance, every behavior that you're doing all day long, every single day. And you also do not want a civilization where you can determine whether or not you want to associate with someone based off of the based off of what their score is. Because at the end of the day, it's like there's just there's so there's so much wrong with that like we're we're human beings like this is this is a great example so there's a guy um there's a neuroscience called uh named david eagleman in in his book he gives the example he's he's a neuroscience he talks about the brain and one of the things he talks about is how the brain is, is that we don't have free will we don't have we don't have free will because basically um the brain like comes up with ideas. You're not actually determining what those ideas are. They just pop in your head. You're not actually controlling that. And long story short, the brain is basically a machine. And an example he uses in the book is there's this guy who's like addicted to pedophilia. To what? And sorry, to pedof- to pedophilia. Okay, I got it. So guy's addicted to pedophilia. He's looking at all these pictures of the kids, like doing like disgusting stuff, right? And he started having these terrible headaches and his wife took him to the doctor and they found that he had a tumor in his brain. They removed the tumor 
And now the guy is no longer addicted to pedophilia, right? He's no longer addicted anymore. But then guess what? He got back into the habit. And they're like, you know, what's going on? Well, you know what? They didn't remove the entire tumor, so it regrew. Then they completely eliminated it. Now the guy is no longer addicted to pedophilia, pedophilia to this day. Like he no longer has interest in that at all. So the point is, like, here's this guy who's doing this terrible behavior because of a tumor in his brain. Because of that, right? That's the reason. That's the reason why. Because the tumor was pushing against a specific part of his brain, which was triggering that behavior, right? So if we were to say punish that person by saying, well, uh, well, look, man, you were with a little kid. Now you have a social score of 60. Now you're not allowed to buy a home. You're not allowed to live in these neighborhoods. You not have to live in the ghetto. Is that in the best interest of that person? Is he going to improve society because he was treated that way? Is he going to blossom and become a better person because we now gave him a 60 credit score? It's to happen. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible idea. Now, on the flip side, I, w- I was talking to the father of uh, one of my friends, his name is J.R. Garage, and his dad's a super intelligent person. He knows lots about software, lots about code, you know, whatever. And I was talking to him, and I hear a lot of, like, the conservative standpoint, um, and he gave me this, like, left standpoint, which is which was interesting to me. Um, and what he said to me is that if there's a lot of deep fakes and there's a lot of misinformation in the internet and your government and you're trying to get a message out to the people yet there's so much information all over the place how do you get the people in your society to work together if there isn't some type of centralized form of information and that's a, that's a valid argument because one of the reasons why China is advancing so quickly is is that all the individuals in the nation can work together because there's some centralized form of information. Everyone can kind of be on the same page, right? Does that mean we should censor things? Absolutely not. Does that mean we should ban spe- free speech? Absolutely not. Does that mean we should have a social credit score? Absolutely not. There's there's other ways we can, uh, we can do it. And the... In, in order for that to even work, there needs to be honesty and transparency at the top. Because if we're being, if the people of a nation are being fed uh, propaganda instead of truth, then that is not ideal for the members of a civilization. So that's where, like, once again, you know, what do what do we what do we do about that? There needs probably needs to be some type of central centralized form of information and it needs to be objective. So the same way we have like uh, we have Congress with like checks and balances, we could have the same thing, but in the form of uh, what communication goes out to the people. So we could have people on the left, we could have people on the right, like look at the information prior to it going out to the people in the civilization. And we could have we could have people who don't have a political stance, you know, just like the same way 
when we have um, the jury, when you go to a uh, when you go to court, we can have a jury that's overlooking what information is going out to uh, the people of a society and have that be the mechanism so that people get objective information instead of propaganda. So you talked about um, ho honesty at the top, honesty at yeah. the top, um, and brings me to think about psychedelics, drugs in general, cigarettes, alcohol, and any types of drugs, you know? Um, and also another question or statement related to that. Why does COVID really exist? What's the real reason behind all of all of this? Like put this in your body, like psychedelics, drugs, yeah. cigarettes, alcohol, vaccines, shit like that. Gotcha. Well, by the way, I got to run like 15, just so you know what the timeline is. Oh, good. Um, yep. So, so first thing, uh, I mean, alcohol and drugs is very different from vaccines. So I'm going to split those two in, into different sections. Um, so for the first thing, as far as uh, drugs, alcohol, stuff like that, at the end of the day, as we become more enlightened as a society, what is bad will be eliminated or used less and what is good will be continued to use more that's that's really what i believe i i mean maybe maybe that's maybe that's incorrect because you could say all right well obesity rates are increasing and like people are eating worse things and you know that's but i don't think we should i think we should educate the population and then we should like for example the current food pyramid is terrible. That is not what the food pyramid should look like. What we should do, because end of the day, everything, every person's genes are different. Every person reacts to different food. Customize the medicine, and there's already tests like this. Like I have one called Viome, which tells me things I shouldn't eat, foods I'm sensitive to, foods that are good for me, foods that are not so good for me based off of my genetics, right? That is what we need to democratize. Once everyone knows what foods they should be eating and drinking, then they can make decisions for themselves on what they should be doing as far as their health. If they want to destroy their liver with alcohol and they want to eat fast food, knowing that it's not what's best for them, even though they know based off of science what is best for them, then they have the freedom to go ahead and do that. But once it becomes a problem, for other stakeholders. So once it becomes a problem for their children, once it becomes a problem for their spouse, that's when there needs, that's when there needs to be a mechanism in place to give these people serious wake up call so that they're, they change. And if they can't change, then they need to be separated from the other people they're harming and they can independently feed their addiction. If that's what continues to happen, if they don't want to take help, you know, whatever. That's what that's what I'm gonna say about uh, like. That's what I'm gonna say about uh, alcohol and that. Now, as far as like, I'll just mention psychedelics real quick. I don't know a whole lot about psychedelics. I know about I know that some of them trigger certain chemicals in our brains. And you know, if you and if someone wants to do psychedelics, 
because they want to become enlightened or something, go ahead and do it. Do I think that's the best way to become enlightened? Do I think that's absolutely necessary? Not really. But I think there's there's ways that that can aid us in research. And we can continue to learn like about how our brain works and about how we work by experimenting with psychedelics so long as it's not like killing people or like damaging their brain or something like that. I don't think like something like mushrooms, for example, is supposedly not necessarily harmful to you, whatever. So continue to, to do that in the sake of research or, or pleasure. If you want to do that, it's your life. Um, now, as far as vaccines and, and COVID and why that's actually, why that actually, uh, exists. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that it came from a Chinese lab. It happened. The thing is, like, there's a scientist who's like a whistleblower that the Chinese government punished. And she was like, well, like, there's no way this could have came from a wet market. It's very unlikely because there's not really wet markets in Wuhan. Like, Wuhan isn't where the wet markets are. The wet markets are south. Wuhan, because of animals, because of a a pangolin has sex with a bat or something, I don't don't know, or whatever the, uh, whatever they're saying, it was because the pangolin and the bat, like, something, the blood mixed, and then now it's COVID, or, like, that's not, is there happens to be a virology lab in Wuhan that studies coronaviruses. Like, what's the probability that a coronavirus, a coronavirus is born in the exact place where they study coronaviruses? In fact, the biggest coronavirus lab in the entire world, where what they do is they literally try and make coronaviruses more powerful in order to, in, for the sake of research. Like, it, it, it's, it's obvious. Like, it's like anyone who's like rational, who's logical, can go ahead and like, you know, figure that out. Like, it's not that it's it's like obvious, right? The prob it's like ninety percent probability that that's where it came from. I will give it like a ninety percent probability. Um. So, with that said, what is the death rate? Well, the death rate is less than the flu, depending upon your age group. Because it has different percentage of death depending upon what your age group is, right? So, I mean, there's been like two or three 13-year-olds or something who've died from this, people under 13. I don't know what the exact number is, but proportionally very tiny, like like nothing, basically. And, you know, here we are, like, if you look at the second-order consequences of this entire pandemic, people's social skills are, are worse. Uh, people's mental health is worse. People are worse at connecting. There's been more domestic violence. There's been more suicide. Like if you look at the trajectory, if you look at all these second order consequences, they far outweigh as far as damage than the actual virus. Has someone actually like pulled up a a chart and like mapped that out? No. <laughs> Why? Because there's stakeholders in keeping the virus going. Obviously, if you're in the government, 
and the virus gives you power, you're going to want to keep that power, right? You think Gavin Newsom wants to say, oh, well, let me, um, let me do less now. I don't want to do so. I don't want to, I don't want to do so much. I want to do less. I want to tell people less what to do. I want to enforce my will less because that's totally how we're wired as humans, right? We want people to not do what we want, right? That's, that's what we want. No, we want people to do what we want. And the more we can get them to do what we want, you're going to do it. Like Gavin Newsom sitting back and he's like, oh, this is pretty cool. I, I said, I wanted uh, four-year-olds to wear masks in school. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I did that. That was me. That was me. I did that. Yeah. What do I want to do next? Well, I want to, I want to have people go door to door in black neighborhoods and ask them if they had slave ancestors. And then I want to go to white neighborhoods and then I want to collect reparations so then I can bring that money back to the black neighborhoods. I think that, I think that'd be pretty cool. It's not like that's going to divide people even more. And then it's like, okay, well, like, like obviously like power. All right. And then there's financial interest. Like Gavin Newsom now has the power to buy have the state buy real estate before the individual. Basically, the state has first dibs on real estate that small business owners are selling. So you know what's going to happen? They're going to cripple wealthy people. They're going to cripple small business owners. Property rates are going to go down. The government's going to buy the property rates at a lower cost. And now they're going to make a return on their investment. And of course it's in their best financial interest to crush uh, small business owners so they can buy their property. And it's in their best interest for people to leave, leave the country. So now they can go ahead and claim land at a lower rate. And if you're super wealthy, it's in your best interest for them to do that too. If you're Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, you want to buy real estate at a discount. You don't care how how fucked the economy gets because you're good no matter what. And this is this is literally this is like, I mean, this is like, this is like beautiful. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity if you're super rich. This is like, this is like, uh, like heaven. Like this is like the best case scenario. Let's, you're like, hell yeah, this is amazing. Let's capitalize on this, like on this opportunity. You know, let's let's make it better. Let's, yeah. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, they're like, dude, this is like, this is like Christmas, like every single day, <laughs> like yeah. every single day, dude. I'm literally gonna double my wealth in the next like four years because I bought all this real estate for half price, and then sky, uh, you know, property rates gonna skyrocket, dude. This is freaking amazing so like the people in power whether super rich or in the government it's in their self-interest to keep this thing going yeah and what what anything in someone's self-interest they're going to continue to do it's human basic human nature so i know you gotta go soon um i want to ask you one last question and this one is more about you It's not about like, you know, we, we think we touched on sure. a, a lot of different subjects, but um, to sum that up into a, something concrete, um, what are you lacking right now? Okay. And 
I'll give you choices. Sure. Acquisition, sales, delivery, leadership in one of these three, or clarity. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, if I had to choose one, if, if I had to choose one of those options instead of just giving you a, an answer of what am I lacking, if, if, that, if that's what this question is, um, out of all of them, I would say uh, clarity, probably. And specifically, in the exact vehicle that I want to spend the next 20 years. 20 years then. Yeah. I know the exact problem, right? The, the thing that I would upset, the thing that I'm obsessed on is how to, in, how to enable every person to become a genius. That's the mission of the company. How do we, how do we enable every person to become a genius? Right? However, what is the actual thing, the product that achieves that goal? That is what, where the clarity is kind of lacking. Like I, I, for example, like I could, like what I ultimately want to start is a brain machine interface company. However, as far as resources to, to start that, I'm going to need like at least a hundred million dollars to start it. Right. I, I'm not liquid that much money right now, so I can't go ahead and, I mean, I, I could go ahead and, and start it, you know, hypothetically speaking, but it would not make sense financially, right? It would not make sense. Um, and even, I, I don't want to get investors either because I want to have full control. So I'm going to get investors once I have leverage and I currently don't have leverage. So basically I need to get clear on what is the stepping stone between now and the brain machine interface call. Okay. But regardless, it's going to be for the same goal. And based on everything you just said, would billionaire Tristan do no think this or do you think that there is something you could change in the way you approach that problem like do you have to get investors could you do it right now you know like yeah, that's a question i've been asking myself a lot and there's like there's the realist And then there's the idealist. The idealist says, yes. The realist says, start with something that you can start with now and you're, and work your way to that point. Right. That's what, that's like the two things. So billionaire Tristan would have the resources to just say, yeah, let's do it right now. Right. It's, it's just, It's a very, uh, it's a, it's something I've thought a lot about and I don't really have the answer to that. So I guess the answer would be, uh, go get the, re the, the resources. It's like, you can't start a, um, you know, a SpaceX company right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have the resources yeah. to, to, to build the, 
gigantic Tesla, uh, you know, you know what I mean? You don't have the resources for that now. So, yep. Yep. So that's, that, that would that, be the goal. That's the idea. To get the resources. Yep, and then once you have the resources, okay, what the fuck do I do now? And then you figure out the timing, I guess. Yeah. And what can I do right now with my current resources to work up to that point? Because I'd rather do something now rather than later. But ultimately, that thing that's in between the end goal can be what, what enables me to get the resources to be able to do that. And we're also making progress towards the goal at the same time. That's the idea. Great. Appreciate it. Your time. Cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, greatly appreciate talking with you and uh, asking you a couple of questions. So if you're ever sure, man. interested to do this again at some point, let me know. And uh, if you... Uh, we... Yeah, go ahead. We, we definitely could. Yeah, we, we definitely could. Good. So I... Recording stopped. Do you want me to send you this recording file somewhere? Email? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Google Drive? Somehow? Yeah, that yeah, that that'd be awesome. I can just uh I'll text you my email here real quick on Instagram. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'll send it to you. Anything else to say to the to the podcast? Still rolling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I, I think I, I did a lot of <laughs> a lot of talking. Yeah. I talked about a lot of crazy things, so I think that'll give lots of people stuff to think about. <laughs> yeah. They have enough. They had yeah, enough. Yeah, I had think enough. so. Peace.